Welcome to the Walkie Talkie Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Matt. And we are going to talk you some walkies. So this is this is good because we're actually getting on schedule here. The <laughs> We are recording uh, the episode for Season 8, Episode 9, Honor. Uh, the first episode of the second half of Season 8. And Episode 2 of the second half of Season 8 actually hasn't aired yet. So yeah. We are in good shape here. <laughs> and, uh, of course, this will be forever remembered as the episode when Carl died. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Matt, why don't you give us your your quick rundown of how you felt? All right. Okay. This episode was better than the last one. I think it's okay. okay. I I wouldn't say that I particularly enjoyed it. I think there's something to be said about how there are things in this episode that are done well, like last time's, like the the episode prior to this. But but the thing is is you can't you can't say an episode of television is good if there are just good things in it, but everything about it is a mess. Mhm. They did make me feel sadness. Yeah. You know, I, I did feel the the dread. I felt I felt bad for Rick. I felt bad for Michonne. But the whole time, what was distracting me from really feeling it was Carl doesn't need to die. This never needed to happen. At all. Mm-hmm. Like, that just bothered me to no end and i couldn't get over it 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 really stunted my enjoyment of of watching the show Mm. i loved the rick and michonne i mean the um the carl and michonne moments i thought andrew lincoln brought some of his best acting chops carl uh um what's his name uh uh, Chandler chandler riggs he really did a good job he did. There was just one mm-hmm. scene where I was like, uh, it was that scene where he's talking to Judith and I'm like, really? You're giving advice to a baby and, <laughs> and then she starts crying. <laughs> uh, that scene, that scene was annoying. Um, then that whole exchange with Daryl to, to Carl saying, um, we're all saved because of you. I'm thinking, no. No, you're not. This is not because of Carl. None of this is because of Carl. Him dying right now is because of Carl, but it kind of ends there. Uh, well, that's not true because Carl was the one who insisted on everybody going into the sewers, and okay, nobody else so that wanted was, to do that. Yeah, that was that was the last, I guess, the last course of action. Sure, that's because of Carl. But I'm thinking like the overarching story, like the larger oh, yeah. narrative well, is like. Daryl definitely didn't mean that. It seemed like he did because he's talking to a kid that's dying. So you'd think that like your life, everything that you've worked for, this is all because of it. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I don't know. That was, that was the vibe I got, but I guess you're right. I, I, my only regret, because I know that I'm not going to get a lot out of this show at this moment, but my only regret is that Daryl didn't refer to Judith as a little ass kicker. 
So that 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 about sums it up for me. <laughs> okay. So I thought this was a good episode. Um, this made me feel a lot, and uh, I I felt like pretty much anything that involved Carl was executed really really well. Um, I where most of my issues come in has to do with what was going on with uh, Morgan and Carol and totally. Um, I always forget his name. Gavin. 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 Uh, he looks and like so, a gerbil or something. <laughs> so, yeah, I had issues with that. Although, there were also moments in that whole B storyline where I was like, whoa, that was pretty cool. Um, I, I felt like there was... Well, well, we'll get into it when we go through the commentary. But okay. um, my overall feeling was this was a good episode. Most of the problems that I had were what you just described, like, oh, I'm upset that Carl has to die, you know, like, or it seems like it's just unnecessary that Carl is dying. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally understand that feeling. But I had resigned myself to the reality that this was going to happen. So in this episode, it was more just like, well, are you going to do this in a way that makes me appreciate Mm -hmm. Carl and feel the loss that, you know, this is about to, to cause in our group? And um, I, it did make me realize that I cared about Carl even more than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so I consider that that a win. And like you just you said, the acting of Chandler Riggs was impressive, um, especially given that he hasn't had a lot of moments in the show where he's really had a chance to shine like that. And mm-hmm. given that when you pick a kid, you have no idea what you're going to get when mm-hmm. they're like six years old or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I really felt like... Like he he did very well, and of course Andy Lincoln is. I mean he he had me on nearly crying myself. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he did such and a great job. He did. Yeah. He's so good. He is. Um, so, but yeah, why don't we we get into the commentary? Um, I'm gonna try to. Try to not take two hours to go through this. It could take two hours because <laughs> this was a long episode. Yeah. I think – I'm sure it was 90 minutes when it aired. Um, but we start off with sad, sad red-eyed Rick, that same shot we've gotten so many times, and him saying, my mercy prevails over my wrath. Mm-hmm. Um, just to note, the, the episode is bookended by that. We're going to see that again at the end mm-hmm. uh, and get a little bit more that time around. And then we see that whatever you want to call it dream sequence uh, where Rick is old and has the big beard. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got this picture of Alexandria with Jerry. Uh, Jerry's come to Alexandria for just dessert. Uh, So this is a world where, like, people are just enjoying life and they're not afraid to take a walk from one community to another just to, you know, eat some Kind of as if it was a dream. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, then we switch to Rick and Michonne in sharp contrast, presumably burying Carl. Uh, and uh, then we're back to Carl getting bit when helping Sadiq, as we thought that was the moment when he was bit. And we actually saw the walker's teeth sinking into Carl. And then we got this sequence uh, with a Bright Eyes song of Carl's final uh, final day. 
uh, you know, realizing, well, he already knew he was bit, of course, but like taking off his shirt in the mirror, looking at the bite. Mm -hmm. And this was, I mean, we, when I said that Chandler Riggs did a great job, um, I was thinking primarily of when he was actually in the throes of dying, but this, I thought he did really well. Like just the way he was kind of his facial expressions and everything like, Mm -hmm. and and then when he, like, looked in the mirror and then sort of, like, just put the hat back on, like, all right, I'm going to go live for my last day or two. Like, that's what I'm going to go do now. Mm-hmm. But this whole montage and him, like, sitting with Judith on his lap and taking the picture of the two of them, like, I really was moved by that. And and when Michonne drives in and he's just, like, gardening and he waves to her like everything's fine, um, something about that, like, all of that just really, I felt like it worked. Yeah. And uh it was good. Yeah. Um yeah, I have I honestly don't really have much bad to say about this sequence. I did wish that we didn't get the scene where we see him getting bit. I think it would have been more powerful just to to leave that open-ended. Mm-hmm. Um to kind of not know whether or not the bite that 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 you know took his life was a senseless one or if it was like during an actual fight or during you know during that time where he's trying to get away from negan in inside of alexandria you know it could have been at any point in time we had we had speculated that it was with sadiq but there's no way to really say um i think it would have been really nice to not know Hmm. um i think the walking dead tends to be ambiguous when they shouldn't be and not be ambiguous when they shouldn't be. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can see why they didn't want it to be ambiguous for a couple reasons. I mean, one being that there's just this feeling of like, well, what happened? Like, what, we got to know if Carl's going to die. I want to know what was happening when he died or when he got bit. And then two, a big plot point here is or a, a big idea that's supposed to be moving the narrative forward is that Carl was saving somebody or he was going out of his way to bring somebody into the group when this happened to happen to him. Um, But technically neither of them were saving each other. Carl just helped him kill a couple warriors, which was right. So ah, so dumb. (laughs) I'm so mad about it. So I'm, I'm mad about it too. But at the same time, I feel like there is some value in having a death where it's like, it's just, there was a slip up, you know, like we've gotten so used to the zombies being around and everyone just being able to handle them. And I can totally understand how someone could get overly confident. And because every time you're dealing with a walker, you're you're just inches away or like from death. There's one wrong move and you're going to get nicked by their teeth and then you're done. And uh, it's been a long time since somebody, you know, in our group just died because a walker bit him. And, mm-hmm. and this is getting ahead a little bit, but, you know, when Rick and Michonne are taking in this horror that Carl has been bit, you know, Rick he can barely string a sentence together, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was good, but he's saying something to suggest, Oh, like the saviors did this to you. And 
and Carl just clarifies, no, it, you know, I got bit. And he explains it. And then, like, there's a beat, and then he just says it again. I got bit. And I liked that because it's – the walkers just are rarely a threat anymore. And just for, for him to say, like, yeah, it does seem totally senseless. Like, why would I get bit? I've been doing this for a while, and, you know, I could have just – I could have just run away. I don't know. Like, it, it the – this is the world that they live in, where any day one wrong move could get you killed. And I kind of liked that we were reminded of that. Um, so I'm okay that's my with take. them reminding, reminding us, but I, it's the story that I'm care like I'm caring about. You know, I get mm-hmm. I get the moment. Okay, you do want to remind us that walkers are a threat. They are a threat. And you should be worried that any moment you could you could die by a walker bite. But the way that they went about it was just so senseless. Um, it could have been anyone, sure. It just didn't need to be Carl, and they like Carl didn't need to intervene there. I mean that that's really what it comes down to is Carl didn't need to intervene there. Well, when you say intervene. Help Carl helps Sadiq. Well, it wasn't like he got bit because he was helping Sadiq fight off walkers. He just happened to be there when he was helping Sadiq, and then there were walkers, and Carl took well, care of his own issue, and Sadiq took care of his own too. No, I think – okay, so the way it played out for me was Sadiq is like, oh, walkers, yay, I'm going to go kill some because this is what I do now. And then Carl's thinking, yeah, I want to help you because this is what you do and I respect what you do. So I'm going to help you kill some walkers. So he goes over there as well and kills some walkers. It Mm. just seemed so dumb. Like that whole mentality, first of all, that mentality that Sadiq has is stupid. It's just stupid. It's so dumb. They should never have written that into the plot. It it doesn't do anything for the story. It's it's this it's this fantastical idea that what Sadiq is doing is bringing some justice to his mother dying, which is just as well stupid. Um, well, on, honor to his mother dying, but but here's the thing: like if if any one of those walkers was someone that we knew personally, we would feel that way. We would feel like do it mean? does it does honor to that person to put them down, right? Because. Like if you saw one of if you saw me walking around like a walker, like mm-hmm. you would feel like the right unhonorable thing to do for my, to my memory. And if there's any like part of me that's still experiencing whatever's going on, would be to put me down. Sure. And that's that's been a theme for a while, right? So with Sadiq, you just see that getting generalized to all these people in general because he's seeing every walker as a person who is in some sort of state of like ongoing existence but it's not any life that anybody should live and so he feels like he's doing the right thing by killing walkers when he sees them it's it's doing honor to those people and honor to his own mother who thought this that was true that setting killing them was setting their souls free you you make a very valid point and it it makes sense however I don't think that it's necessary for the the narrative 
for this story. I, I think I think they're bringing something into the story right now that is of lesser significance, uh, deterring from a more important plot. This whole Carl dying, it, yes, it adds to that plot. But the whole Carl dying thing, I think, is just as senseless as this general honoring of walkers so you kill each of them um it's just how i feel i don't know is it just does not work for me none of this works for me and that's why i don't really like this episode so much i know that you've resigned yourself to to just accept okay carl's dying (laughs) and that's reasonable i understand um yeah but for me i just can't get past it it's it's (laughs) it makes me dread moving through this season. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Understandable. So after we get the montage, we see Morgan sniping near the sanctuary. And uh, presumably this is a flashback to when the saviors first got out of the sanctuary. <laughs> They're uh, firing bullets at all the walkers and then Morgan starts getting shot at, and he starts running away. Yeah, how did they and see him? I haven't written I don't my know. notes. But <laughs> just I just look wa- up and start <laughs> shooting. <laughs> I did want to say that I felt like this sequence here with, like, Morgan crawling on the ground and then, like, running or- running around and everything, just basically the way that it was done in terms of direction and music, I felt like was with more flair than we have been seeing lately. Um, I thought that both times I watched it, I was like, oh, I like this. I didn't. I felt it was very ineffective because when he start, like initially I was like, first of all, how did they see him and why are they shooting at him? Then when I accepted that they are doing that, I was like, oh shoot, he's really got to get out of there. But there's no way he's going to get out of there because he's right in the middle of this compound and they know where he is now. He's cornered, right? So I'm mm-hmm. feeling I'm feeling the fear. I'm feeling the, the anxiety that you should feel. Then when he gets downstairs and he gets away the way that he does, I was like, oh, wow, that was really cheap. Like hmm. he just got out and then started hitting a, uh, his stick up against the, the fence and yelling. So everyone can hear him. Then the walkers come over to him. And I get this tactic. It was a smart tactic, but it wouldn't have worked in this world. Because they would have got out. They would have seen him. Sure, they would have taken care of the walkers pretty easily. But also, they would have shot him pretty easily. It just seemed very convenient. Hmm. Well, When it was happening in the moment, this is how I felt. And it didn't. it didn't really... Uh, it didn't really create a lot of tension for me, except in that middle bit where I, I, uh, um, where he was trying to get away for a moment, but then I realized that he's cornered and then he got away so easy. So I was like, eh, whatever. Hmm. It does make sense to me that they'd be able to see him because Morgan can see them and they have similar, uh, similar well, he saw weapons. them because of the sniper. Um, the sniper scope. They weren't looking through their scope. They just looked up. They but had somebody, automatic weapons. Right. But somebody over there must have had a sniper scope, I would think. 
not on the ground, but that's I mean the people that were on the ground they were all have they all had automatic weapons. They're shooting, but and all the, of a sudden they look up and then they start shooting at him. There were the people firing from the windows that were that initially made the piles of zombies. They were firing mm-hmm. from from above. I thought they had automatic weapons. No. Oh, I'm sure they did, but I would guess that somebody would be looking more long range to see like because they're about to walk out there right like mm-hmm. they want to make sure that they're not going to get killed mm-hmm. it didn't read that way to me yeah this this moment i didn't have a problem with in terms of action mm-hmm. there is a moment later though <laughs> yeah which you probably know what i'm talking about but anyway oh, yeah. um so Carol is leading everybody to the cabin, mm-hmm. uh, I, presumably the cabin she stayed in, everybody in the mm-hmm. kingdom. And uh, then Henry, Benjamin's little little brother, uh, wants to go fight with Carol because <laughs> he is uh, forced to be reckoned with. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and of course, Carol is like, no, you can't do that. And um, we already uh, talked about this. When uh, when Carl reveals to uh, Michonne and Rick what happened, and I have a <laughs> I have a quote here. I wrote down what Rick said when he finally speaks, and when you read it on paper, it just makes no no sense. It's just it's them, it's them. They don't. It wasn't. <laughs> no. and somehow if that was what was written in the script like i have to hand it to andrew lincoln for delivering it in a way where i knew what he was saying like even though that was it yeah it's them it's them they don't it wasn't (laughs) no yeah like he was saying the saviors did this to you right but wait no what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, and Carl's just like I. I got bit. It just happened. I just got bit. Uh. Now we're back at the kingdom. A uh, lot of stuff went on in this episode between Gavin and Ezekiel. Uh, we've talked about Gavin before about yeah. how he seems. He seems like one of the better lieutenants in the sense that he he doesn't really relish in any of the the um, bad tendencies of the saviors. He's right. just sort of like a hired man that's just there to do his job, and he is kind of wary of things going wrong. Or you kind of get um, the sense that he was he was someone before the apocalypse that didn't that had a good moral compass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Gavin is like, Negan's going to kill you to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel just says, well, I ferried my people to freedom. What happens next matters not. Yeah, I loved Ezekiel's stuff. Yeah, yeah. I did too. I I really liked their interactions, uh, Gavin and Ezekiel. And I liked how Ezekiel just seemed to keep hammering home this idea that like, you have a choice and Negan doesn't have to have the power over you that he does. Mm -hmm. That was the message I kept getting from him. Um, 
And it is true to a certain extent that Negan only has power insofar as everybody gives it to him or allows him to have it. Yeah. So uh, Morgan has made it to the kingdom. As we know, the sanctuary and the kingdom are within walking distance. Uh, a, uh, a brisk walk will get you from one place to, to the other bef- um, in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, not. so he's at, <laughs> he's at the kingdom and Carol is outside as well. They're both outside the walls. And I assume that their whole objective was to save Ezekiel. Uh, that, yeah. that was what this was about. I, I was a little confused what, what they were actually trying to do. And um, Morgan has Mar- Morgan is out for blood. He just wants to kill every savior, and uh, and he he does some uh, some killing here. Yeah, uh, I just love how when Morgan just goes into his beast mode, he just cannot be stopped. Yeah, like he's unstoppable force. I I don't. I think we've talked about it before. The whole Morganish thing. Um, mm-hmm. He does not find a center for someone that studied a, a, Aikido. <laughs> he can't seem to find a balance in life, right? <laughs> yeah, which is is uh, precisely what The Walking Dead suffers from. The writers can't seem to find a balance. Mm-hmm. They seem to like the same themes and the same black and white ideas and. I'm just getting so tired of it. <laughs> so Morgan's like, don't kill anyone for a long time. Now mm-hmm. he's like, kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is clearing. Uh, but it is fun to the, watch him. He's clearing the kingdom. That's <laughs> it is his. fun to watch him in action. It is. No, he's And he is a great performer. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um... Wait, do we already see the kid run across the street or run across the parking lot? Yeah, I think so. Because at this point, Morgan makes – he makes the point of saying to Carol that Henry is is in there. Yeah. Which is just – yeah. I, I wish this kid knew the kind of blood uh, uh, body count that Carol has with children. <laughs> <laughs> She has no qualms about taking a child's life. <laughs> Not really, but it's just funny that she has killed children. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Carl is laid on a cot. Sadiq offers some anti-inflammatories for the fever. And uh, I thought that this was kind of interesting here because Rick asks Sadiq if he's a doctor and he says, well, I was in residency, which is pretty darn close. Yeah. And, uh, and then Rick asks Carl, is that why you brought him here? Did you bring him here? Cause you knew he was a doctor. And I, I liked that because it was like Rick's trying to make sense of it. And it gives an opportunity for Carl to just be like, well, no dad, I, he just wasn't going to survive on his own. I was trying to help him. Like mm-hmm. it, this wasn't about, this wasn't about what, he could give us this wasn't just like some sort of selfish savior mentality of like how can you produce for us but it was hey this guy is like on his own he's not gonna make it and i want to help him 
Mm-hmm. And um, and I I did like that Carl had that opportunity to say that. And and Rick, it's like at this point, it almost just doesn't compute. You know, it's like I'm trying to make sense of why you would be dying right now and like find a reason for it that makes any sense at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the best one that Carl can, ga- can, can give is just, well, I was just trying to help a guy, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. Um, let's see. So <laughs> I have in my notes, nonsense number one. I don't know. Maybe you feel like some nonsense already happened. Totally. This, this for me is where nonsense number one really came in. I was at peace with everything that happened so far. Right. But uh, the moment when uh, Dwight is, is confronted by Michonne and Dwight says, like, just stay here. Don't go to Hilltop now because that's what they were suggesting they all do. You just need to stay here and wait it out because they think that you ran off into the woods and that some of them are off looking for you. So mm-hmm. just stay here. Okay, now that's not the nonsense. Mm-hmm. What's the nonsense is that he says it was never about destroying this place. They don't have the, the ammo for that. Meanwhile, there are explosions going on constantly above. Every building in Alexandria is on fire. I think they had what they needed to destroy the place. (laughs) And if it wasn't about destroying the place, what was it about? Like that is what it was about. That's what is happening. And they have more than enough resources to do that. And they are doing it right now. So I don't know what that meant. Yeah. I've got nothing for you. (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah but they they basically agree that hilltop is the safest place to go and that's where they're going to go after this is over so they can all be together with gregory in one happy family gregory (laughs) is that all you have to say about that gregory Pretty much. I actually Pretty liked much. I liked the whole thing with um with Daryl saying we're gonna be their nightmare or whatever, their worst if nightmare. We're all together. Yeah. But at the same time I'm thinking, Daryl, you were the one that tried doing all this on your own. <laughs> Where what what is with is there something in the air in the post apocalyptic world apocalyptic world that causes people to go from far left to far right in a moment's notice in their thinking? <laughs> like, does no one practice balance? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. It's like they they can change and shift their ideas so quickly. I actually wrote down in my notes, it's like every episode has the potential to change a character's fundamentals with zero consequence. Hmm. I find that to be true. (laughs) Well, there's usually consequence. (laughs) Well, no consequence to the writers. They're just like, ah, we'll do this. Okay. Okay. Of course, consequence to the characters for sure. Yes. Yeah. Often negative ones. Yeah. So there's this moment where Carl says to Michonne, it's got to stop. It's not supposed to be like this. I know it could be better. Now. Wait, Michonne said that? 
No, Carl said that Carl to Michonne. Said, yeah. Yeah. It's got to stop. It's not supposed to be like this. I know it could be better. I I am okay with Carl talking like this. What I have a problem with more is when he seems to suggest that, like, all Rick needs to do to solve the problem is just go back to farming. Yeah. that That's problematic. You know, when you're in your last moments and you're just sort of observing from a bit of an objective distance the insanity of everybody being at each other's throats, like, expressing it doesn't have to be like this, you yeah. know? I'm okay with that, and yeah. I, I think that... It, it doesn't feel really out of place to me for Carl to say something like that in this, uh-huh. this state that he's in. It's just where it goes later, yeah. the specifics of that that concern me. Yeah. And don't, actually, don't feel feel quite right. Yeah. I'm, I'm in Carl's corner for the most part. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I really do think that there's peace to be had, but I think it's a little naive the way that he's going about um, uh, suggesting the peace should happen and – or mm-hmm. I think I think he just has some lofty ideas. Mm-hmm. They're sort of ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Okay, moving ahead. More Carol and Morgan. Um, you know there's some saviors that they hear in a dis in the distance carol's like just ignore them but morgan goes and kills them all um except for one that's about to shoot morgan which carol takes care of which you know i i i think it 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 makes sense for them to kill the saviors mm-hmm. i don't think that's not smart it's again we're in war right and right now they're trying to take back the kingdom this is what you right. do yeah yeah. And it's odd to me that Carol seems to be pushing back against that. That doesn't yeah. really seem consistent with her character. Yep. Yeah, um, I was I was kind of wondering what what's her problem here. And it's it is funny when you think about how like Morgan was so Morganish in the past to the point where Carol was ready to kill him. <laughs> and and Morgan had to body slam Carol in order to prevent himself from being killed. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question that uh, that is completely unrelated to plot and doesn't matter at all. But there was a lot of use of gun silencers in this episode. Yeah. I saw and that. Yeah. I didn't even know that silencers were a thing until fairly recently. And as someone who knows nothing about guns, I just want to know, why isn't it just par for the course to use a gun silencer constantly? Wait, you didn't know that silencers existed at all? No. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, It's like, you know, seedless watermelon exists. Like, why not have that all the time? You know, yeah. <laughs> there's certain things there's there's certain things where it just seems like if they exist it makes no sense for there to be any form of them that doesn't include that thing like yeah. there is no value in having a gun be so loud that every time it goes off it like permanently damages your hearing well i think i 
think now this this isn't certain because I don't I'm not a gun owner, um, but I I want to say I've heard someone mention that there's laws that you can't have a silencer because you like the fact that it's so loud gives a warning to bystanders <laughs> like I'm I'm serious I'm not kidding like this is yeah honestly I think what the logic is behind it um and the only reason to have a silencer again speculation is to assassinate someone <laughs> essentially like <laughs> be able to sneak up on them and kill someone without getting caught that's the point but of a silencer if i had a gun I would want a silencer just so that totally. I wasn't ruining my hearing. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, but the reason for silencers are uh, were initially for black ops, and black ops are for spy and assassination missions where you're sneaking and you don't want to get caught and you have to get out alive. Yeah. Um, you know, in a scenario where your gun volume or <laughs> your the the the, uh, the volume of the shot can attract people around you and get you caught isn't really an issue like in war and you know hunting and stuff. I guess in hunting you'd want it silenced too. Yeah, it would be nice, but yeah, I'd, I think the southern states you can have silencers, but in the northern states you can't. Like in cities, urban areas, you can't have silencer; it's illegal. Okay, but in the country you can. Um, because Wait, like, there's if, a rule, there's a rule about guns <laughs> in America, but because in <laughs> cities, if you have a silencer, essentially what you're saying to the law is I want to kill someone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I you have know, no idea what the law with the, uh, the law in a post-apocalyptic world is for gun silencers, <laughs> but <laughs> You know, I was thinking about how they have gun silencers, and I was thinking about how that would be – I'd be so happy to find that in the apocalypse. Like, yeah. oh, there's a silencer. Yay. <laughs> and and then I'd just be happy to find a gun. And then I think about <laughs> the preponderance of guns that I ha- they have. And, and then I thought it's only in post-apocalyptic America that this scenario would be remotely possible. Yeah, because there's so many guns like there's more guns per person in America than anywhere else. Yep. like in other countries in all the other countries, they're probably just chilling like yeah. because nobody has this kind of firepower available to them. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. Sweden, after they probably already picked up after the apocalypse over there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're already established as a civil country. <laughs> they have like special like sanitary wipes to take care of your hands after putting somebody down and everything. You don't even become a, you don't even z- die after a zombie bite because <laughs> the bite is essentially supposed to give you a fever which kills you and then turns you into a zombie. In in Sweden, you just get bit, they take care of the fever, you're not dead, it's fine. <laughs> you survive. <laughs> The only thing that's impeded progress here is that, you know, you can have these, like, these drug lord type of people that that amass power and, like, fight with each other, like Negan. Yep. Um, 
because they have they have all these weapons at their disposal. Yeah. You know, I'm not to get too far off track here, but I was honestly just thinking about, you know, the gun laws and stuff like that and um it's interesting to me that the reason why we have the gun laws to begin with is because of this idea that that uh, a civilization should have the power to overthrow the government should the government become controlling and tyrannical. Tyran- ty- ty- tyrannical. 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 Wow. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, if that was to happen today, the, the public would need to have their hands on a nuclear weapon. Exactly. We, we could never overthrow the government with the machine gun. No. And so yeah. just the very logic that giving everyone in America an automatic weapon or a, or a, or a weapon of some kind is is to, to, to be able to overthrow the government should the government become too strong is really uh, irrelevant at this point. And then yeah. to, to suggest that if if you take away the gun laws, then you're just giving the bad guys the means to have a gun or have guns without, you know, any sort of um, punishment is kind of irrelevant as well. Because the, 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 uh, the less you start producing guns, the less people will be able to have their hands on it in on the black market. Now they still will, but they'll just be less. And if you really think about it, who's getting who's getting burgled by a a, a drug lord? Like what drug lord is gonna gonna try to, to to lift your car or you know gonna try to to rob someone in the middle of the street or at their home? No one. No, right. no drug lord, no you know gangster, no nothing is doing that because they don't want the heat. Their their wars and battles are between each other. They could care less about us. The people that are actually causing harm with weapons that you're that people are afraid are getting guns on the black market with are regular people, yeah, like idiots that are going to schools and shooting them up. Yeah, they got the gun legally. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't think this is a very difficult issue to resolve. Mm-hmm. It's it's remarkable to me how much people seem committed to their own tribes, and that's why we can't work this out. Yeah. Like, okay, people should be allowed to have guns as long as there are, like, rules about about only giving them to people with licenses and people that are of age and maturity and all that, that they can have them Two, nobody needs more than a certain number of guns. That's another thing that I like, even if it's your hobby, like people should be limited to like, I don't know, three guns or something like that. That's as many as you'll ever get licensed to you. And then the third rule, you don't need these, these assault weapons that like can fire clips at a time and everything like that. Nobody needs that. You just don't. And I think if you just make a few alterations there, you'll see uh, things get better. And yeah, it's... other other countries that have 
better gun control laws don't have this stuff happening. Yeah. It's the um the what's the, the term? Um it's the joyrider mentality. You know, the guy that just wants a whole bunch of sports cars be- just because he wants to go out and like ride 190 miles an hour on a back road somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um it's that idea with the assault weapon. Like, if you love guns, you're going to want the big and baddest. And my my thought, honestly, about that is, okay, we'll make them illegal, but don't make them illegal on gun ranges. Have them available hmm. to rent out for the day on site where you yeah, go to the gun range and you use it and take it out on, you know, a target or do whatever you want to do, but you can't do it at home. Right. You know, I think that would be, you know, just a start. Yeah. Um, I think limiting the guns wouldn't do too much. Um, I don't think the number of guns that people own is really a bad thing. I think it's who owns them. You know, someone with mm-hmm. a with a psychotic mind and owns one gun is going to be more terrifying and more uh, um, uh, more dangerous than a normal country guy that owns, you know, 15 guns, you know, and he takes this is, yeah, no, I agree. But I still think the potential for damage that you can do increases with the, the kind of guns and the number of them that you have. Yeah. Like that guy that did the, the Vegas shooting, his hotel room there was just like stocked with dozens of weapons, but he only used one. Are you sure? I think so, right? I don't know. Didn't he use just I, I assumed he used a bunch. Oh, really? I oh, thought okay. so. Okay. I mean, he killed so many people. Yeah. I, I just thought he had extra clips that he was carrying on, on himself. But, of course, the way that we bring this full circle is that really what Carl is advocating for here is a, is a post-apocalyptic world with better gun control. <laughs> That's really what this is all about. Yeah. He <laughs> he just wants socialism. Where Rick is <laughs> is the dictator. And I just have to say one more thing about this. If you want to cut it out, it's fine, but uh like Trump said something about now we need to arm the teachers. Like this is the solution, oh, arm God. the teachers. Actually, yeah. I think lately Trump has actually said some things in favor of gun control. So I, I think that's good. He's but but there was a moment where he said something about arming the teachers, and I thought, think about that logistically. Like, how much money is it going to cost, one, to provide teachers with those weapons, two, yep. to train them in those weapons, three, what do you do when, like, the kid, one of the kids, problem kids in your class goes and tries to take the weapon? Especially considering that in these days, like, if a teacher so much as taps a kid, like, with their hand, it can be, like, written up, they can be written up for assault. It's yep. Like, you don't want to have a gun in every classroom. And if the people who are causing these school shootings are bringing in these assault weapons, you know, these semi-automatic weapons and that sort of thing, what kind of weapons are you going to equip the teachers with? You can't equip, you can't equip them with a little pistol or handgun or something like that because that's not going to do them any good up against yeah. these kinds of weapons. So you want every teacher to be carrying around, like, an M16? Like, yeah. This is insane. Yeah. That would never work. Yeah. 
And then you add fear to the classroom. My teacher yeah. has a gun. And at any moment, right. I... You know, maybe I don't trust this teacher, and at any moment, my life could be in jeopardy if there yeah. are like temper rises or something like that. Because you got to think, there are some teachers out there that would pull a gun on a kid for no reason. That probably would eventually happen. Yeah. Or, well, maybe even for a reason, but, you know, it's not mm-hmm. justified. Yeah. <laughs> like, just that kid that drives you crazy, and then one day you snap. Yikes. And, uh, yeah. It's. It's that is not a solution at all. No. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, uh, Carl wants a world that's more focused on uh, farming <laughs> than shooting people. Yeah. And uh, Gavin is complaining that things always have to get dark, ugly, and inhuman. And uh, Ezekiel tells them that, you know, it's not too late to, to change. It's not too too late to walk back from this decision. Um, Gavin doesn't seem to think so. And then Gavin's trying to contact people on the walkies and no one is responding. This moment might have been nonsense number two for me. Like, we hear shots fired in the distance. Mm-hmm. And so Gavin starts to get really concerned and he like rounds up the guys there and, and he like goes out with them to go investigate whatever's happening. So presumably uh, Carol and Morgan are over there and they're involved in some sort of scuffle. But then as soon as Gavin and those people walk out of frame, Morgan and Carol are just outside of the frame and they sneak over to help Ezekiel. So what, what were those shots going on in the distance? What was that? It was, uh, uh, what's his name? The little child, you know? It was Henry. It was Henry. <laughs> Henry's just using his stick, taking everybody out. They're yeah. shooting at him, and he's just, like, deflecting them, just like Negan, Negan with, with Lucio when Rosita shot at him. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know how to make sense of that, but anyway. Um, then we're back to Red-Eyed Rick again. And then to the the dream sequence, and Eugene is talking to Judith, and he hands her an apple, and she's like, "Thanks, Eugene." It's uh, I thought it was a nice moment, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, and uh, then back again to Michonne and Rick digging, presumably Carl's grave. Yeah. Um, Rick doesn't want Carl to go to Hilltop because I assume because he thinks he'll die in transit. Mm-hmm. And so Rick starts asking Michonne to take Judith. And oh, man, this was one of the moments where Andrew Lincoln got me. He was just like, she needs to be there if she. And then he starts to cry. Yeah. And he's like, if it happens, because he's just imagining, like, if something bad happens to uh, to Judith, yeah. too. Like, he, how is he going to be able to handle that? And um, and Daryl's just like, you know, I'll get her there. I'll keep her safe. Uh, so I liked that moment, mm-hmm. and um, I know you weren't a fan of Carl saying goodbye to Judith, but for whatever reason, it uh, it did hit me in the feels. Did it? Um, I mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, it was pretty pretty heartbreaking. You know, he says, "Be good for for Dad and Michonne. You got to honor honor them. Uh, do what he says, but not always." <laughs> Sometimes kids have to show parents the way. That line pissed me off. Really? It just, yes, this, they're, they're just driving home this idea that Carl's going to be teaching Rick a lesson here. Mm -hmm. And 
he just has no leg to stand on with this, I think. I think this is completely out of left field. It doesn't deserve to be in the script. And it's just stupid that he's talking to a child like this. She has no idea what you're talking about. You're basically telling her this because you're trying, you're inadvertently telling your father, like you're just giving him clues. That's why you're saying it. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if I could adequately express how irritating the scene was for me. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I just, it didn't hit me that way. Like I thought it was a pretty sweet moment and I liked when he gave the hat to Judith. And I like that he had a little bit of an explanation for why he always wore that hat, mm-hmm. um, that it was his dad's before before him and, like, made him feel like his dad was with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought it was nice to say something about that because I had stopped thinking about that. Um, every now and then I'd be like, man, it seems like it'd be kind of a pain to have, have to carry that uh, hat around. Yeah. But um, – at least they said they said something about it, right? And um, the my favorite part of this exchange was when he said, "Before my mom died, she told me I was going to beat this world. Mm-hmm. I didn't." And then it cuts to Rick's face, and there's just yeah, you can just see so much pain in, in hearing his son say that. And then he says, "But you will," and um, and then Judith starts crying, and. I liked that. I liked that it ended that way because if she had just sort of looked at him with like doughy eyes, like, okay, big brother, you know, then it would have, to me, that would have felt felt a little too sentimental. But like the fact that this exchange just ends with her like, you know, I liked that because like, yeah, Judith probably doesn't understand a word of it. And whatever she does understand is probably just that like she wants to go and like give Carl a hug or something like that, but he's all like sick and you know, mm. he, it, she, she can't really do that. Um, so yeah, it sort of ends in a, in an awkward way. So, and then we get that moment that we talked about earlier where Daryl's last words to Carl are, uh, these people, you saved them all. That's, that's all you, man. Which I took to mean that he just took the initiative to get them in the sewer, and that's and, uh, and I I liked that. I thought it was a nice thing for for Daryl to say because Daryl's never one to like show all of wear all of his emotions on his sleeve, mm-hmm. and he's not one for sentimentality. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he knows this is it. This is the last time he's going to see Carl, and for him to like emphasize like you know, you did something that helped us all. I feel yeah. like was the kind of thing Daryl would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get Sadiq talking to Carl. Uh, sorry. And <laughs> he says, you know, that I could never repay you for what you did, but I can honor you by uh, showing your people that what you did uh, meant something. And, uh, I'm going to honor you, Carl. Is so what he says. I wrote down what you did wasn't for nothing. Period. Sadiq, what? <sighs> you inject yourself into this this group. And you know, rightfully so, you needed a place and everything, that's fine. And you explained your philosophy to to Carl 
and then um, you say that what you did wasn't for nothing. What you did, meaning kill those walkers with me while I'm um, trying to rid them of their their walker curse, wasn't for nothing. Yeah, but yes, it was. It was absolutely for nothing. <laughs> Would you rather lose a living person than uh, um, clear a whole bunch of walkers? I don't know. I just think I think that's a little far. To say that it right. wasn't for nothing. It absolutely was for nothing. Well, yeah. No, I, I can understand what you're saying. I guess I just didn't take it as referring to it wasn't for nothing that you were clearing walkers with me. I took it as it wasn't for nothing that you went out of your way to to bring me into the group. And, I mean, Carl wouldn't have even been out there unless he had trusted Sadiq and, and gone looking for him. And so... I, I don't think we were supposed to take it as, oh, it wasn't for nothing that you were, like, trying to help me free Walker's souls. I think it, was, it wasn't it was for nothing that you, you helped me. Okay. Yeah. Because – And, you know, and, and, and he makes – I think the, the evidence that that's what he means is that he basically says, like, I'm going to show to your people that it was worth it. Like, I'm going to do what I can. Basically, he's saying, like, I'm going to help your people. I'm going to serve your people. You know? Yeah. Man, you're so much optimistic, more optimistic about this than I am. <laughs> I'm just but I think sometimes looking at how terrible I feel about it. Sometimes, if you're a little bit more optimistic, though, it like it leads you to conclusions that not only are better, but they actually make more sense. Yes, of, I, of what you're watching. I agree. Yeah, that's why we have this show, so I can feel better about it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Gavin has taken everyone into the throne room at the kingdom and he says something like, I've got to settle this. I got to take care of it or I'm going to receive the penalty of that bat. And Ezekiel, Ezekiel is just like, you don't like basically you, you, you don't have to, to do that. And then he just slaps Ezekiel and he's like, stop talking like that. <laughs> Yeah, And this is where I really felt like Ezekiel was trying to get him to realize, like, Negan only has as much power as everybody allows him to have. And, like, you just don't need to do this. You don't need to think that way. Right. Um, I wrote down, actually, that Gavin sounds like the mayor on The Simpsons when he yells. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't think of that, but I can hear that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, I liked when Gavin was like, I live, you die, this is who I am. Like, he was like, this is the way it goes. Like, you are at my mercy. You don't talk to me like this, you know? Which... I I have the upper hand here. The thing about Gavin is we really don't know very much about him. I think the only reason that we have kind of attributed these positive qualities to him is that he just always seems, like, tired and flippant. Kind of like tired and flippant are good qualities. He's <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't seem like he relishes in doing anything bad. Yeah. That's the thing. Like before in in the last episode, he was saying that to the crowd. He was like, "Guys, this is what you have to do, basically." And then he's like, 
okay, nobody's doing it. Nobody's giving up Ezekiel. Look, there are kids here. I don't want them to see this. Like, please. So he he takes no joy in mm-hmm. doing terrible things, and I think that's clear. Um, but he also just seems to think, like, this is the way it's got to be. And, and this is the way it's got to be for me to preserve my own neck. And uh, I guess you could argue that he's a little bit similar morally to Eugene, you know, where Eugene certainly takes no joy in anyone being hurt and actually really hates the idea of people being hurt. Uh, but sure. he, he, his first priority is always himself. Um, and, sure. and, and he's, he's very, uh, it's easy to manipulate him because of that. So Gavin really thinks if he doesn't just keep falling in line with Negan, he's going to get killed. So his options are either get killed by these people or get killed by Negan or, I guess, die trying to fend for himself. He doesn't really see another option. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of get what's probably the biggest action sequence of the episode. And I did not understand this one bit. Like, the door on one side explodes. How? Why? I don't know. And then Carol and... me. Carol... (laughs) And then Carol and Morgan suddenly make an entrance on the other side from where the door exploded, which apparently gives them the upper hand in shooting everybody, which is important because they're completely exposed. They're not hiding, but... <laughs> They're not hiding behind anything. I guess they just have better aim or bigger guns, right? Well, we see this over and over with The Walking Dead. We saw this last time with uh with the people on the tree line over with Dwight. Yeah, you were bringing that up. Yep. And then we saw this again with uh um a couple weeks ago. I can't remember who it was, but they were also shooting with with zero covering. And yeah, I when it when it happened, when this scene in particular happened my mind went to the majority of the writers in the writers room must have always wanted to write a superhero movie or like a action spy thriller where (laughs) where the 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 protagonist has the capability to be able to set a bomb outside of a door and then go to another side of that facility and surprise everyone after the bomb explodes. Um, yeah, that wouldn't be possible in this scenario. So they probably no. just really wanted to write a scene like this. It really is bold in how, like, unexplained it is. Mm-hmm. Like, they just kind of expect us to just be like, cool, Whoa, they did that. That was awesome. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know how they did that, but they did it. Good for them. <laughs> And then we get they're super one of the most graphically gory moments I think that has ever happened on this show. Grotesque. Where, yeah, Morgan is being uh, attacked by someone. The, the guy has gotten several punches in on Morgan. And I was feeling Morgan's rage in that moment. And I really wanted – I just was like, okay, Morgan, you do something. And boy, did he do something. <laughs> So he just reaches into the bullet wound and yanks out the guy's guts. And how that works? By by hand. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, the whole time it was happening, I was thinking, wait, where's 
where's Carol? Carol, what are you doing right now? You're literally just standing there on stage about, I don't know, maybe 15 feet away with a gun. Not <laughs> shooting anyone because everyone's already dead. Yeah. And so is Ezekiel out in the audience just holding a gun. <laughs> Look, we'll let Morgan do this. It'll be a lot better if he does it. Yeah. He'll do something crazy like pull his, his like guts out of his stomach or something. <laughs> That crazy Morgan. So, yeah, then we get that moment where uh, Gavin is just like, oh, crap. You know, he's and I I did like this because it's just like the tables have just completely turned like he is alone now. And this is what he just saw is like one of the last remaining guys get executed in this brutal way. And Morgan is just on the warpath. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, ethical dilemmas aside, I was really like, all right, Morgan, let's, let's finish this. Really? Like, you get that guy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I he's the last the one. Really? With, with, with Gavin? I'm shocked. Yeah. I was like, I was feeling like, oh, God, I hope they don't kill him. Really? Yeah. No, I was like, he had his chance, you know, and he's a lieutenant in the Saviors, and I'm like, don't tell me that again they're going to stop short of actually killing the one who it matters, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because, in, and then we're going to have the ethical dilemma with this guy, yeah. even though we just <laughs> killed all these people, and there really wasn't that much of an ethical dilemma yeah. with all these other guys, but because there's one guy that we actually recognize, he's not just a red shirt, well, now it's like this big dramatic moment like do we or do we do it or not yeah, yeah you know yeah. so i was just like all right morgan let's finish finish this off yeah. you know i was i was ready for it so um let's see we um before we finish that carl is uh being cared for by michonne and he says i don't want you to be sad after this or angry you're gonna be, have to be strong for my dad and for judith don't carry this not this part and he calls her my best friend michonne and this moment really worked for me because yeah. it it reminded me yeah no that's not that's not a uh, cheap thing for carl to say like they their relationship has been one of the more meaningful interactions between characters for quite a while and yep. uh I can't remember exactly how it worked if, like, Carl helped to bring Michonne out of her depression or vice versa or both, but, like... I think it was Carl because it was on that trip where they went to go look for paintings or food or whatever. That's and, right, yeah. And they he kind of got a smile out of Michonne. Yeah. And I just love the way that those relationships have developed, that Michonne yeah. really had the connection with Carl before she had it with Rick. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that that moment made me made me feel something and it. It also reminded me of moments in the past and it felt like, yeah, that's what we've seen, yeah. you know. Um get a pretty cool shot of Gavin running away and then Morgan like just slowly pursuing um and he's the he's Jason in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um then we see rick and michonne helping carl uh 
get above to the surface. Um, they're leading him to the church, which I thought was kind of a, a good setting for like his last moments. Um, that burnt out church. And uh, Carl's at the point where he can barely, barely make it. And clearly they're trying to say something here by contrasting Carl's final moments with the the possible execution of Gavin. Yep. Um, obviously very, very intentional that there's parallel themes going on here. Um, Carl is uh, laid in the church and he... He says to Rick, thanks for getting me here, you know, for making it so I could be who I wound up. And uh, I I liked a lot of what he said here because, again, it was the show remembering things that happened in the past, remembering them accurately. Yeah. Um, and, you know, allowing those things to give added meaning and weight to what was happening. And Carl brought up that moment, which I think we all remember uh, back in season three or four, I think it's season three, where he killed a kid who was just a little bit older than him, even though the kid was uh, lowering his weapon. And I think Herschel was the only one there when that happened. And if I remember, Herschel told Rick that this had happened. Um, but yeah, there was this sense that Carl was really losing his humanity at such a young age, and it was it was a scary thing. Yep. And... I like how Carl says, like, I think about that kid every day. Yeah, I like that. You know, that. That, that's something that he carries. And um, I think about how easy it was to kill yeah. him. And, you know, how easy it was getting to just kill. Um, and this is contrasted with, you know, Gavin yelling at Morgan, you're sick, you know. Because <laughs> it looks like it's pretty easy for, for Morgan to be killing. And... um and Gavin says something like, we can go back to the way it was, which seems like a pretty ridiculous statement at that point. You know, you, you go back to producing and we'll go back to taking your stuff. And yeah. Morgan is just like, no. Yeah. That's it. And um, Rick, Rick's response, I just feel like, is so beautiful to what Carl's saying, you know, he's, he says, uh, what happened, what you'd lost, all those things you had to do, you were just a boy. Yeah. Like, and of course he delivers it so well, but you know, he just feels such compassion and sympathy for his kid who just has had to endure so much more than any kid should ever have to go through, you know? And he's, it's like, you shouldn't be hard on yourself after all that. Right. Um, and uh, Carl says something to the effect of, like, well, it got easier to do these terrible things. Yeah. Um, back to Gavin. Gavin's like, killing me won't make it any better. And um, and then we're back to Carl, and he talks about how, like, you know, Rick, you you stopped fighting so I could change. That apparent, And that I think that is true, remembering back to that, like... Carl uh, Rick was motivated to stop being the one who was who was leading and fighting um partially out of concern for his son you know to to model for Carl a different way of of living and everything became focused on the farming and just building that place and I remember there was a right. council that was more about defense and that sort of thing but Rick didn't even have anything to do with that at the time yeah that was at the prison right yeah that was 
fourth season, start of the fourth season. Um, and Carl's just saying, you know, it can be like that again. You can be like that again. And this is where I had a little trouble because on the one hand, I agree, like Rick could be like that again, but, but I don't think Rick has ever been opposed to being that person. That's exactly what I was going to say. He needs to go through this right now. But yeah, it's it's all to get to that point. His right. goal was never, never to stay in war. His right. goal was to have war so that it doesn't. Rick actually would always say to Negan, "It doesn't need to be like this." You yeah. Know? Yep. Yeah. So he's he's really just just preaching to the choir here. Yeah. There's. Right. There's an implication in Carl's words that Rick is really trying to pick a fight or something or that the battle that Rick is fighting is an unjustified one. And I suppose there is something to that, that, you know, if they had never gone and struck that savior outpost when they did, if they had just followed Morgan's initial advice, that things would never have gotten so ugly. It would have still they would have still tried to get Alexandria. They would still be underneath the savior's. Uh, a foothold yeah because the the savior's goal was to get everyone in that vicinity to work for them mm-hmm. so someone would have eventually gotten lucille'd yeah it was inevitable seems likely it's weird because it seems like there was a significant period of time where the saviors weren't aware of alexandria but apparently alexandria is so close that you can walk there you know, between the sanctuary and Alexandria. So, and of course, Alexandria existed well before Rick and company got there. You would think that Negan and the Saviors would have made some agreement with uh, what's her name uh, well before this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was because no one ever left. It was basically just Aaron. Hmm. No one ever, like they never really made their presence known. Yeah. Which when Rick and company got there, they were like, they opened that place up for business, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. And and they really got the attention when they went to that outpost. That's right, yeah. But. So um, Ezekiel and Carol have shown up uh, where Morgan is having his, his moment of deciding whether or not to kill Gavin. And they both start arguing that he, he, he shouldn't do it, basically. Ezekiel and Carol trying to argue that Morgan shouldn't kill Gavin. And this, this moment kind of fell flat for me, especially Carol just being like, you don't have to do this. I, I just yeah. feel like the Carol that we know and that we've known for a long time would just, I mean, she would not relish in Morgan doing this. But, but she, she also would wouldn't fight him on it no. either. Yeah, I as much as I liked, I didn't want them to kill Gavin. It was because I knew none of them would care if they did. Except maybe Ezekiel. But Morgan and Carol would not care if Gavin died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it felt weird that they were actually debating it. Right. I could see I Ezekiel, just... but not necessarily Morgan or Carol. Yeah. And I just didn't understand why Gavin's life to them seemed to have so much value, but all these other guys didn't. I guess 
there's sort of a sense of, well, at this point, Gavin can't do anything to fight back, so it's cowardly to kill him. Yeah. Uh, I under- I guess that makes sense that that would be it. Yeah. But it it makes less sense to me in terms of Carol's character before now that she would be like, you don't have to do it, Morgan. She wouldn't you care. Know? Yeah. I just think she might be a little worried about Morgan's behavior, but I think she would just sort of sit, stand there and just watch it happen. Yeah. Um, so Morgan's like, I have to, but then before he can do it, Henry puts a spike through his neck and kills him, which is quite impressive for a small child to thrust a, a wooden spike, uh, through a man, yeah, (laughs) through a man's neck clean clean through yeah um it's also interesting to me that (laughs) that nobody saw it coming because like i mean from our vantage point it makes sense that we wouldn't see it coming like the camera angle but i think they should have sufficient vision to be able to see a child (laughs) 100 (laughs) percent yep so yeah now to give some ridiculous. some credit, like I get, I think I get what they're going for here, and even though it didn't land for me in the moment, like Morgan is looking at violence, like the spiral of violence continuing on into the next generation. So, what led Morgan to become violent was seeing Henry's older brother die. And then that sent him on the warpath, and Henry seems to be, like, all into that as well. And then he's watching, you know, the younger brother become a killer. And in that moment, I I think maybe this is supposed to be to help him swing the other direction again, you know? Um, Kind of a dramatic way of doing that. I, that said, I just, I didn't really like this. Yeah, I'm with you. I also don't like how uh, we're just coddling the kid after he commits murder like it was nothing. Just, I just stuck a spike through his neck. I was supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's kind of terrifying, child of the corn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like... If I was Carol, I'd be looking at that kid like, are you going to have to be my next victim? Yeah. <laughs> Look at the flowers, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> what flowers? <laughs> Just look over there. Yeah. <laughs> He's Ralph from The Simpsons at this point. That's exactly who I'm picturing in my head. Yeah. So we have the mayor, or Ralph kills the mayor. (laughs) I had to do it. (sighs) So, um, getting back to Carl, he says something about, you can't kill all of them, Dad. There has to be something after. Which... I don't disagree with him on. But Rick said that as well. 
He said the yes. only one that needs to die is Negan. That's right. Which is... <laughs> okay, Carl. He, get it. <laughs> Rick never should have said that. <laughs> he really shouldn't have. Like ten times. Because he did <laughs> say it like ten times. Did he say it like ten times? I remember him. He said okay. it a few, at least a few times at the beginning of the season. He said it like three times in one episode, which was the 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 the, the premiere. He said it another time in another episode, and he said it another time in another episode, at least. Mm. Those are the times that I can recall. So, I forgot to mention um, that there's a moment where Carl says something to the effect of, yeah, it doesn't have to be like this. It can go back to the way it was. I've seen it. And this is when it's made clear to us that the, you know, flash forwards or whatever they were that we've been seeing are like Carl's imagination, which... I really liked that, actually. That, yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, you're trying to think, what could this possibly be, right, um, as we've been watching it? And certainly it doesn't make sense for it to be reality. There's, yeah. there's problems with it. <laughs> and so what else is it going to be? And, uh, you know, a dream that somebody's have, having, that doesn't... That's just kind of lame to me. Oh, it's a dream. But at, to be some sort of imagined ideal is in the mind of Carl, the one who is dying, I think is the best possible answer to that question of what what could it be. And I was I was satisfied the moment that I heard it. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, it's meaningful. It's meaningful because it is in the mind of this character who is dying. Mm-hmm. Um and it is an ideal, and it's meaningful in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now, this next moment is the moment for me that worked the most in the episode. And it was the juxtaposition of two things. One, this is after Carl has said, I'm the one that is going to kill my, like, I'm going to put myself down, mm-hmm. which I thought was very powerful. Mm-hmm. And then you just have that shot of it's a few hours later because the sun has come up and Rick and Michonne are sitting there on the porch of the church and they hear this, the gun go off. And it's I just I was just really feeling it in that mm-hmm. moment. It was so devastating, like Rick's visceral reaction to that, you know, mm-hmm. his own son putting himself down. And then for that to be immediately followed by the last part in Rick's – and. Uh, Carl's dream sequence, idealized world, where Judith runs up to somebody and says, morning, and then the guy turns around and says, morning to you too, darling, and it's Negan. Mm. I got chills, like rushing up and down my spine when that happened. I so did not expect it. And I was going online like, did anybody else react like that? Another reviewer who's been very cynical about The Walking Dead said in that moment he got a lump in his throat because it was just such a powerful moment. Like that moment of death and I'm already like vulnerable because of that, like knowing that Rick is going through this. 
juxtaposed with this like idealized world that can probably never be. But there's something about seeing Negan like that in those clothes, like with that smile, where I was like, this doesn't feel like as much of a reach as it should. Like, wow, this this looks to me like it's it it could actually happen. Like, it's believable to me that Negan would be this person in a world that was different, you know, that he would just be this get, this guy like like working in the farm and 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 saying hello to this little girl. Like, you know, he's he's obviously capable of of such terrible things and he's shown that. But I could just as easily imagine another world where he never went down that path or he never um had the opportunity to do it and he was a guy like that, you know? Yeah. So I just like I will I will defend this moment hardcore if you're gonna fight against it because I just think <laughs> this was a moment that 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 was powerful, it was strong, and and we need more moments like this. Yeah. It definitely didn't affect me that way. Um mm. I also didn't have a strong response either way to it. When I saw him turn, it didn't shock me. It's like, okay, it's Negan in a world that, like, that will never happen. And I didn't trust him. I had this sense that, like, this person that I'm seeing in front of me that's saying, hello, darling, has another side to him that would would kill everyone there if he had to. Mm -hmm. Like, even in a world in which Negan in him reconcile and they're all living happily together in a moment's notice, Negan would take them all out. So that smile, there was something behind that smile to me. Yeah. Um, so I just didn't trust it. And, and also, you know, it was leaning into the whole fantasy of it all because there's never going to come a, a scenario in which Negan is living like that. However, it made me, it made me hopeless for what's coming soon because um, I have been speculating that Rick isn't going to kill Negan and that mm. they're going to try to reconcile. And I think that's what they're trying to foreshadow. Yeah. And I know in the last podcast I said that's just the worst thing I can think of. Like, and... I have always been somebody who's been like Negan is bad and like I want I don't I don't want I don't care about character development. I don't want to care I don't care about finding out about his daddy issues or anything like that. Like I just I just think he's bad. I just don't want to feel sympathy for him and I just want to see him taken out. Yeah. Um but at the same time, I also have this other impulse in me, which is what you might call like the universalist impulse, which wants to see everybody like repent and change and like live happily together and you know that's 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 always been yeah that's this is like the vision of the universalistic heaven Mm -hmm. you know where what regardless of what went on on earth people have changed and learned to work together and like have Mm -hmm. experienced redemption and and they've put the past behind them they've forgiven each other and they're like living in peace Mm -hmm. which you know, if if that were something that really could happen, that's what I would love to see happen. Sure. Um, so I think the reason I 
got the chills that I got and, and, and it affected me so strongly was it was the juxtaposition of the horror of the real world with the idealism of this dream world, you know, where the past has been put aside, forgiveness has been extended and, you know, people are happy. Yeah. Um, I would honestly, I would like to see that. I like the character of Negan. I think he's mm-hmm. a little overused or used maybe a little poorly in the show. Should they course correct that, I would like to see a world in which Negan can have some reconciliation. But I don't like what they're telegraphing right now. Right, right. And yet, although this is telegraphed, the very ending of the episode seems to imply that if that's what Rick is about to try to accomplish, it's really going to hurt him Mm -hmm. because the last shot in the episode is back to red eyed Rick. And, uh, we've seen like stained glass behind him before. Now it's very clear that there's this tree with stained glass hanging from it. No idea why that would be the case. (laughs) And Rick is, is sitting by the tree and he's bleeding from his torso. He's got a lot of blood on his hand and it looks like a situation where he's been shot and he's bleeding out. Yeah. And let me just say that if they kill Rick, I don't know if I'm still going to be watching. Yeah. I, I, that's, it's you know, I read a process. review. I read a review recently that was said something like Rick's future looks uncertain because of this. And then they said, but honestly, is anyone still watching who would stop if Rick died? I was like, uh, yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> the only reason me? why I'm watching. Right. There's so many people who watch because of Rick. Yeah. Like, well, you just want to completely, like, destroy any continuity, like, any sense of meaning or purpose on the show by, like, killing one of the few characters that we care about? They're like, this is his story. Yeah. If it wasn't Carl's story... It certainly is only Rick's story at this point. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. Um, My guess is we're not going to find out what that that last uh, scene is is referring to until the finale. Or maybe mid-season premiere next year. You think? (laughs) Gee, I mean, it is The Walking I, Dead. <laughs> I mean, at that rate, things. Maggie won't have that baby until the show that she's joining gets picked up, runs a few years, and then gets canceled. <laughs> yeah, precisely. <laughs> That's the plan, right? Yeah. They're going to let her do her thing. And by the time she has to have the child, she'll be back in The Walking Dead because she lost the other job. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Maggie's uh, baby's arrival is slated for season 16, <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> the finale of season 16. <laughs> right. Actually, the mid-season finale will begin the labor. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, numerical rating. 
Yeah, I'm going to give this one a five because it wasn't great. It was hardly good, but there were good things in the episode that really didn't contribute to the story, but let me appreciate moments, I suppose, like Carl Chandler Riggs acting, um, Andrew Lincoln's acting, things like that I appreciated. Yeah. Other than that, they're even losing me on the score. Like this, I can't even grasp at like, oh, well, the score was really good, <laughs> or the cinematography <laughs> was excellent. Cinematography's huh. just been like, eh, it's all right. It's a TV show. They <laughs> used to have such high standards with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes, I I do think there's been a drop in quality in in those respects. Especially whoever's doing the lighting has not been doing very. A very yeah. good job, but, um, but honestly, I, I felt like in this episode they had a little bit more artistic flair than they have in a while, and so I, I have you seen the promotional image for this half of the season, which is just Rick like screaming like a bat out of hell. No, <laughs> he's just like he he. It's just like trying to capture the most intense face that Rick can possibly have where his mouth is open. He's like, ah, <laughs> and it, it, <laughs> it just looks like, like they're going for like the most extreme possible, uh, face they can possibly get. And I'm all for Rick's extreme faces, but I don't know about like in the promotional image, like this, yeah. is, I don't know. It just seems like a little bit overboard and it, it yeah. seems reflective to me of a bit of that loss of like aesthetic sense that they always yep. seem to have that was really good. Yeah. Um but anyway, I I know you're going to think that I'm being overly generous, generous here, but I'm going to give it a 7.5 actually. Whoa. Um, just because it it really did make me feel quite a bit and um I don't want to punish it for the mistakes of the previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Um I I want to I think that Chandler Riggs really did a very good job which makes it bittersweet because it's like well this is what he's capable of and now he's gone. <laughs> yep. So yeah, that is that is really sad. Um but yeah, I think that he went out pretty much as well as as um as he could have um, after what happened. Mm-hmm. And um, it made me, it definitely made me appreciate Carl and uh, Coral. the history of the show that got him to this point. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, 7.5. Fair enough. And, uh, and I am genuinely interested in where they're going to go from here because I really don't know where they're going to go. Mm. I just hope that it doesn't involve Rick just sort of laying over and dying. And um, judging from what I saw from the preview scenes for next episode, it definitely doesn't. Yeah. I, um, I don't like this show anymore. (laughs) Like I hate, it really does hurt to say that. Because I yeah. loved this show. Mm. They're just losing me more and more every week. Yeah. And it's getting harder and harder to say, purchase this episode for $3. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Um, yeah, I just, I'm not in that. Maybe they can change it. Maybe they can course correct. Just not, I don't like it. I'm not enjoying myself while I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not at that point. Um, like, I definitely enjoyed this last episode. Mm-hmm. I've probably one of the lowest points I've had in respect to The Walking Dead was after the mid-season finale. Um, but this this episode kind of perked my interest more for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it did make me feel again for these characters. And I'm feeling for, you know, Michonne and Rick coming going forward now. Yeah. Um, Everyone just seems like strangers to me now. Yeah. Like, Michonne seems like a stranger. Rosita seems like a stranger. Daryl seems like a stranger. Uh, uh, Tara seems like a stranger. They all just seem kind of like background people hmm. at this point. I uh, I get what you're saying. Um but I, I wouldn't go as far. I mean, I feel like Daryl seems a little bit like a stranger. More so than he should, you know, mm-hmm. at this point in the game. Um, I don't feel like Michonne is a stranger. Definitely don't feel like Rick is. And most of the the other characters, Tara and Rosita and them and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Like, I also, I, I feel a degree of connection to them as well, although I don't care about them as much. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I still, you know, think that what we're seeing with the walking dead is, is, you know, far short of its glory days. Um, but I am definitely still curious every week when it comes on. It's not a chore for me to watch. Yeah. And I think you're at that point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, I, I like, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. Yeah. So. I'm glad that we're doing this because it, when we have these conversations, it helps me seeing another person's perspective, someone that feels a little bit more hopeful for the show. Um, I can I could take their their view into consideration and uh readjust my negativity. Um, yeah. Cuz I definitely feel negative about it. Right, yeah. 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 All right. Well, see where it goes from here. Mhm. Yep. That's all I got. Signing off. Over and out.